Welcome back to Esports Forever. My name is Ryan B. Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader, and we're delivering the latest in esports, NFT, and crypto news. Getting right into it today, Jacob, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. We're at the G2E conference in Las Vegas, uh, meeting a lot of great potential partners, seeing a lot of cool innovations in the gaming space. Uh, it's it's a lot. It's uh, it's certainly a lot, but it's it's good to be back. We were here last year. G2E is great. Yeah, it's always a fun event. I sadly am not at that event with you guys, but I'm sure it is definitely a party. You know, anytime, you know, a big event like that is going on, it's a beautiful chance to meet some wonderful people, especially people related to what we're doing here at Zen Sports. And more specifically, shall I say, on the podcast today, if you haven't heard already, Zen Sports has been officially acquired by Keystar Corp meaning that ourselves, Zen Sports, alongside with brands such as Ultimate Gamer and Burstive, uh, we are now all under the umbrella of Keystar. So this is Esports Forever, a Keystar brand podcast. I like the sound yeah. of that. I like the sound of that. Uh, it's, been, it's been great. You know, what's what's really cool is meeting, uh, honestly, to the support team. Uh, I've met some people, some members of our team that we've been working with on Slack for a year. And, and oh, they're, yeah. you know, they're awesome guys, actually. Uh, Eric and, and Donald, specifically, mm -hmm. if, you've seen, if you've seen them in our Discord server. They're nice guys. We you know, had a lot of fun talks. It's, it's good to meet them. I'm glad to hear it, man. I, I hope I get the chance one of these days to be able to meet them as well. Uh, they're, well yeah. I, I think they're Eric all based was out asking of about you. Oh, really? They were asking about you. They, they wanted to meet you. Oh, jeez. Well, you <laughs> know, there's, they'll, be, they'll be in time and a place, I'm sure. Time and a place. But in the meantime, my friends, let's get into today's news. So lots of great esports news lately because the NFT and crypto markets are down. So, you know, we are more heavy tilting towards esports at the moment, but we do have some other stuff for you as well. Starting off, Riot Games, more specifically, Worlds, where the World Championships for League of Legends have begun and have been going. In fact, the first round of Round Robin has officially gotten started. And what's actually hilarious, if you go check out our TikTok, Ultimate Gamer, uh, at alt underscore gamer, GMR, I talk about uh, today's latest post from Tyler1 talking about how trash NA is after going 0-3. All three NA teams, Cloud9, Evil Geniuses, and 100 Thieves are 0-3. Couldn't even win a single game of their best of five sets. And Tyler goes, y'all are trash, paycheck stealers, little pieces of shit. I disown NA. And I was like, bro, Tyler, you are NA. And he goes, exactly. That's why I fucking hate NA right now. He's like, I get all the hate because I stream for 10 hours a day. I am the most hated person in NA, in NA because y'all are losing and y'all don't have to take the slack like I do. Now, that's just the relationship Tyler has with his fans. But speaking of what fans are getting from Worlds, they're doing tons of RP giveaways. RP is one of their internal currencies inside of League of Legends in order to buy items. It's it's very simple, right? You take 100 bucks, 50 bucks, 25 bucks, 5 bucks, 10 bucks, you buy RP. You use that to get in-game customizations. Now, they're never going to come out and say that these in-game customizations such as skins or accessories on wards and stuff are, are, are going to you know give you any benefit. However, there are some skins in the game every now and then that do have specific colorings that when, on, when played on Summoner's Rift, the mainstay of League, 
it's harder to see certain attacks from certain champions. So honestly, it can be pay to win sometimes. So they ban a lot of skins, though, right? For Worlds? they do, or, they mean, do, they do ban specific skins, which is hilarious. However, they actually uh, so there's a famous like bugger, this like guy in the community that will go around and like search for every known bug in a game when there's a new patch released. And so, you know, Riot's put in all this work before Worlds, and uh, first round is finally finished, and what do, you, what do you know? There's actually a ridiculous bug on a champion named Oriana, where uh, if you use one of her regular abilities, it almost looks like she's popping off her R, which is her, like, ultimate, and that's mm -hmm. a big deal, because if players think that the information is, is one way, but it's another, such as, oh, she used her ult, oh, which she didn't, that could be a huge game changer for the entire game. But the problem is they can't drop a hot patch in the middle of, of playoffs or for, for, for Worlds. Like, how is that fair to the people who are playing before? And Maybe. if you drop a hot patch, what else will that break? Yeah, but did they ban Oriana? Oriana? No. Wow. No, they didn't ban her. They just like, you know. It's just no it, that there's a bug. It could be, you know, maybe Oriana. That, you know, it. It could actually be a balance thing. I, I I don't know if Riot's admit admitted it was a bug, but but some some champions, right, from a power perspective, they're a little bit worse, but they may have an ability that lets them move faster, right? Maybe this deception is part of Oriana's power in a sense, and she's a little bit weaker in in other places. I have no idea. It just could be the case. She's a really strong mid laner, and the thing is, okay. with with professionals playing league, they are playing at the top tier frame rate, top tier ping, right? So they see every little graphic. They have to, right? They have to know what everything looks like in the game for every champion. So if they yeah. think that her ult is going off and it's really not, that's a huge problem. But you know yeah. what? It's okay because there are tons of prizes and giveaways being being given out by Riot right now uh, to the fans. So make sure to get included with that. Um, I know having an Amazon Prime membership right now also does you uh, pretty good when it comes to cashing in on some free L, uh, rp i believe so uh yeah get get involved get in there so check out the the giveaways going on because uh it's pretty cool it's pretty cool they're just giving you know giving a bunch of stuff away and that's typically how worlds is you know they they like to give away like lots of little things for for players and it's just one of the ways to keep their community you know kind of hydrated with stuff right it's one thing to be like oh here's this you know azir 2022 skin it's another thing to be like, oh, here's a bunch of free L, you know, LP, RP, um, mm -hmm. and just to kind of give other stuff out too. It's it's always fun to see, you know, with big events like this. It's it's what makes Riot so good, truly, truly. But speaking of not being so good, let's talk about Overwatch Two. Now, the game uh, itself, I'm, I've I've heard and seen, has been fantastic. And this this is a blog, so this is more of an opinion piece. But I, I wanted to feature it. So this is a Syracuse blog, uh, educational blog. And this guy's basically going off about the fact that, like, he basically justifies that other games are allowed to get sequels. But in a MOBA, like Overwatch, it should not. There should not be an Overwatch 2 when the end result is to make more money. His argument is just no, because there are tons of games that have done this already. Destiny is probably one of the biggest, most recent ones. Dota. Destiny, Destiny 1, Destiny 2, Dota, right? I mean, games rise and fall. You know, developers and companies, they want to make more money, 
and they want to move on to greener and better pastures, right? Like the original game for Overwatch was great. People loved it. And then they're like, we're going to rework it and make it Overwatch 2 because it's not the same game anymore, you know? And that, yeah. You know, it, it would be, a, to me, it would be a huge deal if this was a game that costs money. I don't think Overwatch 2 is. No. Is it? It's free, right? It's free. It's free. Yeah, every I actually played every a major bit. game like this is is free these days. Yeah, you know I played it a little bit. I actually I prefer Paladins, which is a, a really similar game in this genre. Mm-hmm. And I understand what he's saying, right? You shouldn't do Overwatch two when really nothing changes, right? The core gameplay doesn't change. Uh, I don't know specifically what did change. I'm going to guess the the characters are what changed, and uh, the, the 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 base engine the game is built on is different. They could have just done a huge update to Overwatch, Overwatch, the original one, but they wouldn't have gotten the marketing push. So this is a money play. Um, I, I think this guy's reaching for the stars a little bit when he says, imagine the absurdity of the prospect of the NBA deciding to create basketball too. Oh, yeah, that was my favorite. Or the NFL launching football too, right? These are video games. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they're, not, they're not making video games too, right? I would say video games too would be more similar to basketball too. Eh. That's even that's also. Strange, I mean, but. he's also kind of wrong because like sports have also undergone evolution over time. Anyways, I mean rules rules to sports change all the time. You know, you really want to call the baseball that we have right now true MLB baseball compared to back when we didn't have pitch timers and games could really go as long as they wanted to. You know yeah, what I mean? And the ball it's was just, not hard; it was soft, right? Baseballs used to be soft. Baseballs used to be like like stress balls you get at conferences. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. And I mean, uh, football, you know, like the the amount of protection any sport used to have, literally, literally none to, oh, uh, we got to have everything now. And what's hilarious, I saw a statistic this season talk about the MLB and how like they have all this protection and yet batters are still getting hit, getting hit in the face, the head, the, you know, in places that are really just critical spots. And it's like, wow, we can add all the padding in the world and it still doesn't do doesn't do shit. Yeah, so. baseball is a real problem with this foreign substances, right? And foreign oh, substances, yeah. they, they increase your spin rate, but they also give you more accuracy, right? And pitchers who get caught, you know, pitchers, pro- there, there's probably a ton of this usage. Only some of them get caught. And it, it sucks because it does like to throw a little bit harder. Those, you throw better curveballs, but what you don't want is hitting dudes in the face when you're forced to not use this stuff, and then your grip is all messed up. And, and hitters can use this. Hitters can use pine tar, but pitchers can't use pine tar. Um, I understand it's a little bit different, but yeah, maybe, you know, there's a little residual, you know, who knows, who knows that's, that's a different topic for now. Um, one last thing about overwatch too, is that, uh, blizzard they've undergone controversy this year with discrimination suits against them and the company overall, some may argue that overwatch two is a ploy to just sweep all the controversy under the rug and here's a shiny new game and it's like well the shiny new game started development way before these suits came out so you know um they don't just put out a new shiny game because we have some controversy going on that people don't approve of that's not how it works folks the gaming industry is is not set set upon public opinion of of what the you know of what people think of the company sadly if if it worked like that, we it'd be a weird place, a weird place. 
Uh, speaking of something that's not weird, though, the Liquipedia website is officially going mobile. So Liquipedia, the eSports gaming wiki uh, that is uh, ran by uh, Team Liquid and then, like, obviously has, like, a, a broader reach across literally almost every game is finally launching a mobile app, which is really, really cool because, I mean, hey, if there's going to be a Wikipedia for all the knowledge in the world, let's have a Liquipedia, which is, you know, all the esports knowledge and facts and history and drama and anything you can think of, you know, that they, they put it down. And it's really, really cool. I used to have a friend who actually worked with Liquipedia for quite some time. And uh, yeah, he loved it, you know, that he loved working with them and working with their team and just everything about it you know it's very similar yeah. to wikipedia but obviously it's it's more esports focused i never really made the connection that this was team liquid's ip yes uh, yep i'm seeing it right now that logo is is pretty clearly a team liquid logo yes um there's this there's this app i think there's esports wiki which does a pretty good job too but but team liquid's going to be able to give the marketing support well Li liquipedia is like the og yeah the og i'm listed on liquipedia under some uh, some like alpha beta categories that they have on there, it's kind of weird how they s separate and sort stuff. But I'm on there for Pokemon stuff, so it's 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 pretty cool. That's awesome. Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Yeah, it got got to be immortalized somehow, you know. Gonna get on the get on the Pedia. Get on the Pedia. Okay, this I gotta say news.sky.com. It do not it, take this with a grain of salt, folks. Gaming can kill children with undiagnosed heart conditions. Yeah, this is actually true. Uh, or this is, I'm not surprised with this at all. I've noticed sometimes when I play Warzone how fast my heart rate gets. It's scary, actually. Uh, and, you know, it's most scary when I've been doing nothing all day and then I get done from work and I play a game of Warzone and I'm like the last person alive. And and if I win the game, or even if I don't, my heart is beating so fast, it is actually ridiculous. It is your brain makes it so real. You know, I'm I don't know for a fact, but when I ride the the bike, I can get my heart rate up to 170. One you know around there, it feels faster when I play a game of COD after not doing anything all day. I'm not gonna even front. Uh, it, it is serious. Um, and and Call of Duty style multiplayer, but but battle royale is the real one, right? I think battle royale games make your heart beat like crazy. Well, you never know where someone's going to come from in all 360 degrees, you know? So it's just like you're constantly, like, feeling the pressure. And even though, like, a typical game like COD when you're on a map is is sort of the same feeling, I feel confident that I don't always have someone coming up right behind me rather than expecting to be have someone in front of me or maybe beside me, right? It's just not the same experience. So you're right. You know, I think it'd be so cool to really see some t scientific studies done on kids um, and just ch kind of tracking heart rates and uh, kind of seeing you know how they react and how their body reacts while playing Fortnite, maybe PUBG, COD, whatever, whatever their parents would allow them to play for the study. Um, it'd be really cool to see. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's funny. A lot of people say gaming can kill because they'll say, you know, it leads to gun violence, which is 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 a much broader claim and really is probably one of the worst tropes about gaming in general. But this is more legit. I think this is, you know, this is like a, a legitimate thing to be worried about. And uh, not only gaming per se, but I think the world of VR, I think is also like this, this is a big deal. You know, you're putting people into situations that typically they would not be in or have the means to be in, in most cases. 
and uh it, yeah it's 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 a big deal to i mean you don't want kids dying from from playing a game it's the last thing i'd want as a parent right a lot oh, of my yeah. kids to play some games and all of a sudden my kids are having major health problems because i let them stay inside and try to be safe and play some games instead of letting them go outside and maybe an unsafe neighborhood you know it's like you can't win. You can't win here, Jacob. You can't win. I'm not a parent yeah, yet. But... It's a good thing to be made visible that that this can really happen because it is true, and I've noticed it. I've noticed how fast my heart races, and I, I don't. I don't think I have a pre-existing heart condition. Um, but regardless, like th- this, this is real. It, it your brain makes it feel real. It affects your heart rate. Uh, it could be dangerous if you're not prepared. There's a reason why pro esports players can lose up to five to ten pounds, if not more, gaming for you know a, a long a long session. These players are sweating. They're actively thinking, and their whole bodies are usually pretty engaged in what's going on. You may be like, "Well, they're just sitting there." Well, they're not sitting there relaxed, my friend. They are putting yeah. all of their senses to work as much as they possibly can in order oh, to yeah. to try to win. And this is true of shooters and. I know this is true of Pokemon as well. I've been this past year, man. Holy crap! I was on, I was on a major stage for for this huge stream here in North America, and um, you know, playing against this really top player, my heart was beating out of my chest, bro. Like you know, I I was shaking, right? And I'm just like, holy crap! I'm about to go on stage and fight this really top player, and like, I need to like, I need to get in the zone, be calm. And so, like, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's, you know, top cut several events. I'm like, what do you do? He goes, bro, I just try to get as relaxed as I possibly can. And so, like, if you watch, if you go back and watch the stream, you see me just kind of, like, laying back and doing some breathing in the chair as I'm just trying to calm myself before the match starts. Because it's so true. It's so true. It, you know, it, it does get you going. Gets you going real good. Um, you know what's also getting people real good? The SEC! Let's go. SEC coming down on Yuga Labs, baby. Let's go. They are approaching Yuga Labs and their and and the creators behind Board Ape and some of the other projects and they're like, "Yo, time's up, mofos. We want our money and we want it now. Y'all have been ripping people off and we're about to we're about to show the public that you have." And so, you know, nothing nothing too substantial yet. However, I think this this is the start. This is the real start right now of the SEC being like, y'all y'all have been claiming that these board apes and stuff aren't really like stocks, but then again, you know, all people do with board apes is go, wow, my board ape is worth this now, or it's worth this now. The the board ape market, ape coin, all this other stuff. The SEC's like they're taking notice. This is not a few years ago. You know, the SEC is like. We're on to you guys now. We've picked up the lingo. We've done our research, and we understand what's a security and and what's not. And you know, so they're they're suspecting that board ape is really treating these board apes like securities, almost like a stock. And I mean, you're part of an exclusive club, which is a little bit different than holding a stock. But the stock goes up and down depending on whatever market conditions are determining whether or not board apes go up and down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I love this. I am, I, I am pro SEC. I, I love going in on these huge groups <laughs> that, that want to, you know, take money from the people and, and just keep taking, you know, I don't see a lot of giving, uh, from board ape. It's really just really, I, I personally think they're ugly. So, you know, it, 
it's really just giving people uh, the chance to look at really disgusting art. Um, it's art, but, you know, uh, even giving it that title is, is tough to say, but it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm on your side on this. I'm happy about this. I'm happy they're looking into it. I, I don't know specifically, you know, Yuga, Yuga Labs bought Crypto Monk, Crypto, the Crypto Punks. Uh, yeah. So they own that one. They own like maybe four or five collections, but we know the two most popular ones are Bored Apes and Crypto Punks. Uh, I'm going to guess a lot of this has to do with what they did with Jimmy Kimmel, with all the celebrities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We saw what Kim Kardashian just got herself into. Oh, Kimmy K. Jimmy K. She's not she doing okay now. Of, you know, she paid like four cents for her, which was 120K in real life. Um, I think that was the, the number, but uh, it could get more serious than that. It, it really can, especially if these are deemed securities like stocks. Uh, it can get real bad, and and you know we're out of the NFT bubble. At least I, I hope I hope if you're listening, you're out of the NFT bubble. Um, you know, it, it, NFT is great technology, but it's not buy this because of that. It's what can this NFT do for you to to lower your friction in in dealing with multiple different services right nft tickets are a great idea nft you know gate gatekeeping parties via nft that actually has value and that's immutable uh these random pieces of art are cool and art is great but they're all just trying to sell nfts they it's not an art project it's a how much money can i make project. pump and dump baby pump and dump have these creators pump a huge project pay them a bunch of money and then the people behind that project get a bunch of money by people buying in. And then before you know it, these projects are worth nothing. And the people that made their money get out and the people that are stuck stuck left holding the bag are, are holding nothing. Period. Yeah. That's it. Speaking of holding nothing, though, Damien Hurst, a well-known artist, uh, sold 10,000 NFTs and his holders had two choices. To either have the NFT or the physical piece of art, however, they could not have both. And so for anyone who chose to have the NFT, he went to work and started burning all of the original pieces of art that also matched said NFT. I think this is a, it's a, it, this now, I like this a lot. I like, uh, I like the collaboration of this. You know, uh, in the art world, this is more of an um, art. I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, you know, this is almost like performance art, really. It, it, it's taking visual art and then being like, oh, here's Web 3. And then going, okay, here's a performative aspect of this that is going to gain public attention. I mean, if you've got BBC.com writing about you, with nfts and your art i think you've got something there there's probably something yeah. there that people take notice what i think is most interesting is that basically it was 50 50 half the people decided to take the physical copy half the people decided to take the nft i probably would have taken the physical copy just if i'm being completely honest um you know it depends on a, a lot of stuff but it's interesting right and, and it, I, I really like this it said when asked about how he felt to be burning the works, Hearst said, it feels good, better than expected. That's good. Because when I read this, I felt bad for the guy. I was like, dang, he has to burn his art. But it wasn't that. 
it was, you know, a, a little bit of a social experiment. And he basically sold his NFT collection and said, hey, you can either take the NFT or the physical piece. And uh, it was split about 50-50. Well, uh, I was right in thinking about what kind of artist this guy is. He's very much a performative artist. Um, he's, you know, he rose to fame in the 90s for some controversial art pieces. In 95, he won the Turner Prize. Um, but he also is one of Britain's most controversial artists. More specifically, uh, one of his works features a dead shark floating in formaldehyde and, a, and another consisting of a bisected cow and calf. Um, you know, this is definitely, uh, man, there's like a word I can't think of when like the artist like does really weird and wacky stuff that's kind of out of the norm. Uh, because I don't think there are too many artists that are willing to to be like, yo, this is art. I just cut up a cow and a calf in half. Check this out. Right. That's it's pretty gross. Right. Pretty. It. it <laughs> but it probably does what the artist was looking for, which is to get an emotional response, a cathartic experience from the viewer. In this case, he was just burning art that people considered to be mil worth millions of dollars. Damien himself goes. It's not worth millions. It's not. I'm just, you know, I'm just burning pieces, but it's like, okay, bro, but it, you've sold so many pieces for millions of dollars. So it's kind of just like, it, it probably is, but maybe the artist doesn't, <laughs> I guess, value it at that, but I, other people do. Well, it may not be worth so much after the NFT is made, right? True. That may decrease True. the value. Yeah. Part of the value, maybe the, the limited quantity and whatnot. You know, it's funny. This makes me think of an American Dad episode where Stan meets uh, one of uh, Steve's friend's fathers or uh, basically this like billionaire philanthropist who has these two like priceless Yang Dynasty or Ming Dynasty vases, you know, and uh, the guy like goes like follows his gut and his gut says to destroy one of the vases. So he, he destroys a vase and then all of a sudden, oh. All of a sudden, um, <clears throat> he goes, well, now this one vase is priceless now that the other one's been taken away. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, and it's kind of brilliant. It's kind of brilliant, right? And so in this case, yes, an NFT of that physical art is created, creating now another piece in existence. But then you burn the OG and you're like, oh, wow, okay, well, I guess this is all that's left now. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was saying. But uh, speaking of things that are now now gone from this world, uh, CNN, uh, which is still around, sadly, uh, but uh, <laughs> Vault, their their NFT marketplace Vault uh, is actually going to be departing. And so, uh, first of all, the head of the NFT marketplace. Uh, that's my first question. Uh, you know, that's obviously the uh, <laughs> the first thing that I I'm like, uh, okay. But uh, so secondly, secondly, this is not the first L that CNN has taken in the past year. OK, CNN Plus, which was their like streaming service. I don't know why they thought that they could compete. I don't know what else they produce except Anderson Cooper. And that's if Anderson Cooper even still does his show. Um, like CNN is just, you know, they were big in the 90s, big in the 2000s. Now. I just think they're a democratic pandering left-hand organization that sometimes has some conservative talk, but really it's, it's a lot of left-hand jargon. It's a lot, a lot oh, of yeah. left-hand jargon. 
the whole division of the news networks is just horrible. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it, it, it pays, you know, it, it's funny that, you know, a lot of these, not CNN, but a lot of these, like Fox, for example, still has the NFL games. And I love Fox, but people, you know, I forget that Fox has such a, such a, you know, not maybe polarizing to a degree, but such a firm stance on what they talk about and what they don't talk about. Oh yeah. But they still show football games. Right. And that's, that's all I really care about. And, and, you know, I was talking to my dad, he's like, to what point will the NFL let Fox or, and let these networks that sway the news so much, even, even advertise these games to some degree, Amazon is more honest than, than Fox, right. Amazon is competing for these, these NFL game packages. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting there. Yeah, I had no idea they made it in a team network. They this literally looks like NBA Top Shot, but for CNN clips, uh, which to me is not worth worthwhile. I think uh, it's wrong. Why are you Why are you trying to make money off of public that clips that should be publicly accessible? I mean, they're like, point. oh yeah, they're like you can have ownership over this clip of like an interview from this president or this or that, and it's like. Or I could Google it, you know, anytime, <laughs> right? Like if it's a modern day, you know, if I have to listen to, to George Bush or Barack Obama, if I have to listen to Barack Obama in 2011, go, we got him, you know, um, it's like, I'm going to look up that clip. I'm not going to go try to buy it. Like, what's that ownership of that clip going to do for me in my wallet? There's no Nothing. utility. It's just a clip. It's just for yeah. the sake of being like I'm a collector, but there's nothing to collect there, really, because it's not. That's not really art. That's just, that's just historic videos in a, that are already sitting in an online catalog in a vault, right, so to speak. So, anyways, bye bye vault from CNN. Uh, no one will miss it. No one will miss it. Absolutely. But Google has selected Coinbase as like their main operator for taking in crypto payments. So. Google has decided that they are going to slowly but surely start allowing users to submit uh, crypto payments, and they are using Coinbase and are uh, also experimenting with using Coinbase Plus in order to uh, allow people to use uh, cryptocurrency. And so yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, so this is like a B2B thing. This yeah. is that big big corporations who spend a million dollars on Google servers can do so with cryptocurrency now. This is not, you know, I can pay. I don't really pay for anything on Google. I guess I pay for uh, YouTube so I don't have to watch ads, um, which to me is not advertised enough because I would have bought that five years ago if I knew about it. Um, this is for Google Cloud Storages, which is not very popular, right? That's not like Google's, I don't hear about it enough, right? Amazon is really the dominant player in that space. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that the fact that Amazon has the contract with the NFL is such good marketing for them. It's unbelievable, right? They're, they have the ability to run the coolest ads because they have the ability to play fan, play football highlights in their ads and they play the football highlights and they say, oh, this data was calculated on Amazon Web Services. The receiver had a 29% chance to catch this ball. And I'm watching because I love, I'm there to watch football anyways. So Amazon got a really good deal there. You know, I'm sure they paid a, upwards of a billion dollars for it. But um, Google's trying to compete. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to compete by attracting cryptocurrency clients. Who knows? Uh, I, mean, I actually, it says in this article, article that Google actually uses Amazon Web Services too. Oh, no. Sorry. I'm saying Coinbase will move some of 
its applications to Google's cloud from Amazon Web Services. Mm-hmm. So Amazon Web is like the, the premier. This is a marketing play from Google to some degree. Yeah, huge. And uh, I mean, this is this is pretty big for Coinbase after they took the L with their NFT marketplace too. So uh, glad glad to see them, you know, kind of come out with with this kind of big B2B deal for, for the public to be like, ooh, more trust and faith in Coinbase again, maybe? Maybe we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. trying to decide whether or not i have to sneeze it's it's coming and going it's all good i can introduce the next article we got here please go for it america's oldest bank bny mellon will hold that crypto now founded by alexander hamilton bny mellon is the first large u.s bank to safeguard digital assets alongside traditional investments so i guess this means that in in bny mellon's reserves there is now a place for cryptocurrency, whether that is 5%, whether that is 1%, whether that is even less than that. I'm going to guess it's under 5%. Um, they're going to start holding assets, digital assets. They're going to use that as as collateral on, on the money that they're borrowing and lending. Right. I haven't had time to, to, to read this article. And um, I actually hadn't even heard of Bank of New York Mellon. But uh, I guess it's, it's allowing their clients to purchase and sell cryptos. So it, it, it's coming into the mainstream, guys, right? Crypto is getting there. It's crazy that it's coming into the, the oldest bank in New York before someone like BlackRock. I know BlackRock trades cryptos, but I don't know if they you know let uh, clients invest through them. I'm sure they do. They may not count as a New York-based bank, but uh, interesting. It's pretty cool. Thought it'd be worthy of noting. Um to have a bank yeah. be sold some old money be like okay yep we'll take uh, we'll take that crypto to hold on to yeah i guess Sounds i was I, I, I for some reason i read it as they were the first but they are definitely not the first so so blackrock does do this um but now bny mellon does too got you okay okay hey we'll take it we'll take it more more fun more fun Speaking Absolutely. speaking of fun, our last topic, which is it's it doesn't sound too fun, but it's kind of cool. Um, you can now search ETH addresses on Google. However, this toy, uh, Coin Telegraph article is like, but what about BTC? <laughs> what about Bitcoin? Uh, and it's like, well, I don't know. I think Bitcoin gets it gets enough for itself. I mean, it's one of the largest cryptocurrencies. I let let ETH have its moment to shine, huh? Come on, you know it's like. I feel like we've and we kind of talked about this before. ETH is a lot more, you know. I feel like it can be used as a transactional currency rather than Bitcoin, which is just kind of like almost like a stock, right? I I view Bitcoin almost like a security. You know, no one's no one's using BTC as as like a transactional type thing, and if they are, it's it's rarely seen. I mean, <laughs> I don't know of any platforms that are like, oh yeah, give me a. Give me a two BTC for that NFT. I mean, you know, NFTs are Solana, ETH, and other yeah. like lower lower form of cryptos. You know, so it's Bitcoin doesn't even support NFTs. Yeah, right. There you you go. can't. That's the difference between Ethereum and Bitcoin. Is a, a Bitcoin all you can do is send from one to two. Ethereum you can send from one to two, as in one person to a second person. But you can also publish code, and that code can be NFTs. It can be games. It can be 
smart contracts, which are, mm-hmm. you know, the two of those. Uh, this is interesting. I, I, I'm reading it. It says that, like, you, you put a needs address in, it works like 50% of the time. So I don't really know what Google's doing here. It, it is clear, though, that Google is making an entrance into the cryptocurrency ecosystem, right? Maybe they're feeling pressure from browsers like Brave Browser and DuckDuckGo that offer more security against hacks and protecting your wallet. Maybe they're feeling some of that. Um, maybe they are worried about Amazon, but they're making a push here. We'll see. It doesn't really look too organized either, right? It doesn't look like the Google we know, but Google we know doesn't really change much, right? Google just has such a trap on, on web search. And that's such a big deal. They haven't, I mean, to me, Google hasn't really innovated in, in 10 years, right? They update their browser. They own YouTube. They're the biggest company in the world because of those two things. Right, maybe Amazon's bigger, maybe Microsoft, but Google's pretty big because of the Google browser. Um, we may be entering a time where Google is going to have to innovate. Right, they may be realizing that. So interesting to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Well, hey, thank you everyone for watching this video today, for watching our stream, listening in on our uh, corresponding podcast networks. Thank you so much. Uh, big shout out to Jacob for hop- hopping on today while he's at G2E. Keep enjoying yourself. And don't forget, folks, Keystar Corp is our new umbrella company. So this is Esports Forever, a Keystar Corp podcast. Okay, yeah. so uh, great talking to all of you today. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with lots more news, lots more fun, and hopefully some more guests as well. So we will see you guys soon. Until next time, we out. We out.